Welcome back to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer. And today's a very special episode where you have a case where the student of life becomes the teacher. But in this case, I'm not the teacher. I'm the student. I'd like to introduce you to one of my teachers in life. Uh, one of my uh, many life coaches, I guess, so to speak. And a person that saw me through quite a bit of my existence in a very important time in my life, Mr. Shan Khan. Shan, welcome to The Chosen Life. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, if you want to start by telling them what time we're starting this podcast, it's 4.30 a.m. in Toronto right now. It's six on the East Coast. We had to make this happen. It's, it's been a long time coming. All the viewers of The Chosen Lawyer podcast um, that logo that you see, the flashy one arm bicep logo that you usually see on the t-shirts that everybody's been sporting. And I think I've been involved before the logo was in process, before it was printed ever on a t-shirt. I've been uh, fortunate to have that witnessed and I'm so happy to be here, man. So happy to chat back with you. You know, we are always on the same wavelength. It's so funny. And the two point we... So we have not like preset our conversation, anything like that. We said we haven't seen each other in, I think now it's coming up to two and a half years plus. And we said, we'll just jump yeah. in. And the first thing I was going to say, funny enough, Shan, was the early bird gets the Shan. So take a look at these bags, folks. There is something called 4.30 in the morning. There actually is a thing. I've heard myths about this, but the early bird gets the shan. So there is no way around this. We were recording today, come hell or high water. So yes, it is 4.30 in the morning where I am when we are recording. And apparently it's 6 a.m. where he is. So you know, you have time zones and we have regular time zones. And we're like, okay, you know, I'm an hour behind. I'm three hours ahead. No, no, no. He's in a place where there's an hour and a half time zone. There's such a thing. You are in the lovely area called Newfoundland, correct? Correct. That is correct. East Coast, St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador it is. So Shan came to us originally from India, which from, from India to Toronto originally, correct? That is correct. Shan, let me explain something to you. And this is no offense to those East Coastians and Newfies and people from all the, the region. But generally, the way it works is people leave those parts to make it to Toronto. Very few people make it from Toronto back to Newfoundland. But you said, hey, I came to Toronto. I saw what I needed to see. I'm out of here. I'm going to an hour and a half different time zone. Uh, we're going to talk about that, by the way, you're not going to escape that part of it, but it's true. That <laughs> you're, you're the first person to go the reverse. And second of all, as I was getting dressed for this episode and I'm like stumbling in the dark, I have my shirt on. Actually, I said to myself, you're wearing a, uh, version two, second edition of the chosen lawyer shirt. No, no, no. You're wearing the OG. You're wearing the first, first shirt. Screw this. So I put back on the shirt. There's that bad boy. Styling and profiling, like always. And you know that it's an OG chosen lawyer shirt in case you ever see it, number one, because you have the writing in gold. And number two, if you could check the back. 
That is correct. It's the shirt with all the sponsors on the back. And people will say, wait a minute, you got sponsors on the back. What happened here? This shirt was an invention of another trainer of mine, Jared, from Bond Strength and Conditioning, VSC, who you met as well at the victory dinner, because I met Chan through fitness bodybuilding competitions. And Chan, to introduce that, I have a special surprise for you. You notice that we have the wrestling background right. in our theme today, right? Right. And you and I are big wrestling fans. We shared that. So I'm going to play for you a little something here to set the mood. Tell me if you can hear the song, okay? Okay. Is it plain? Cannot hear it. You, can, you cannot hear it? I cannot. Oh, that's too bad. So I had this playing for you. Kurt Angle medals. And why am I saying on Kurt Angle's medals? Because, oh, it's so sweet to have one. Maybe we should make <laughs> it two. You know, so Shan and I competed at UFE Ultimate Fitness event together. Shan turned to be one of my trainers. He competed as well. We were friends, you know, and we're standing in the back there. We've had our morning competition where they're actually judging you. And then you're standing in the back when they're actually now awarding uh, after you, after we uh, did our routine again, and we did it for the uh, show for the public at night. But people are watching it thinking that, oh, boy, I wonder if they're going to win something. It's already been decided, folks, from the morning. We already did our competition in the morning. They've already judged us. And guys are coming. One guy wins a medal. Then a second guy wins a medal. And he says, huh, what do I do? Do I wear one or the other? And I said, no, baby, you wear them at the same time. And it goes clank, 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 like a horse, baby. That's how you do it. And... You and I walk away with multiple wet medals that day. And I got to tell you, man, greatest night of my life. It was the most fun I've ever had. And it felt so, so good to win those medals like Kurt Angle style. Absolutely. Uh, there's a very popular saying in bodybuilding that goes like, you already win the medals when you're training in the gym and when you're dieting down throughout the day. You just go on the stage to collect them. So that's exactly what it was. I mean, a lot of viewers wouldn't be very familiar with, especially the new viewers of Chosen Life, wouldn't know how tough Jonathan's schedule is. Because I used to show up for his posing sessions, I think, immediately during the workday, actually, when he was scheduled for meetings and stuff like that. And um, the lawyers at his firm, they're like, who is this guy? What does he want? Oh, he's the posing coach. Oh, let him in, let him in. <laughs> so let's begin how, and, well, we have to begin how we, how we met, first of all. Absolutely. I was at the gym in Hamilton, or Oakville, I think. I think it was Oakville, yes. And was it was, it? UFE was holding, so we were both registered to go compete at 
at the Halloween Mayhem event in October 2019. And I had made the conscious decision to not go to boxing. I was supposed to be training over two years to go compete in charity boxing. I decided I am the world's worst boxer and I'm constantly getting injured. And this is not a good scene for me. So one day, one of my uh, good friends uh, was a realtor, was sitting in my office with a coffee. And he says, are you nuts? You're a lawyer. You're going to hit in the head. This is not where you need to be in life. You need to go to UFE. You need to go compete in ultimate fitness, baby. This is where you're, this is going to be your scene. You got the body for it. I said, you're crazy. There's no way I'm going to win. He goes, do a flex for me. So I come in, you know, I do the old flex and he's like, buddy, my eyes are, are burdened because that's so beautiful. So you must do this. So I said, fine. I'll, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I'll look into it. He, he introduces me to his trainer at the time. We go to have a coffee. He, he agrees with his assessment. He goes, I can do this. I'll help you with your nutrition. I'll help you a little bit with the weights. So no problem. Let's go do that. I had my trainer, Jared. We're in the weight room there. I have a third trainer who comes to my condo gym and we're doing more weights. So I got three different trainers for uh, the gym part of it and for the nutrition part of it. So I'm feeling really good about this. I don't know if I ever told you the full story, Shan. And I go to this workshop. I think it's two months, a month and a half before the actual yeah. competition. And it's yeah. in on a Sunday, and it's I, I believe, and it's in uh, the Hamilton region. No, sorry, it was in Oakville region. That's right, because the actual competition was in Hamilton. Right. And I go to this workshop, and the workshop, lo and behold, is about posing. And they start talking about posing routines and how easy it is. And let me tell you, folks, for any of you that have ever attempted something that you're not very good at or you don't have any, you know, coordination, like imagine you've never danced in your life and you stumble over your feet like myself. You know, I'm um, I do what's called the white man shuffle. So the white man shuffle, you go to a dance and you do this. And sometimes you bring up your hands and you do this and you do the shuffle, the white man shuffle, it's called. This is the extent of my dancing abilities. Fine. To do posing, you have to have rhythm. You actually have to be able to go and turn and pose and hold it. And smile, keep smiling, keep smiling, never stop. I hear you, Shan. So I'm going through this and I'm watching other people and I am the world's worst poser ever people have called me a poser many times but we won't go into that but needless to say a competition is coming up i've been training so hard to getting my body just right and my nutrition is right and i have no idea what i'm going to do and this whole thing is about being able to be on stage and actually perform and i said to myself oh my god you are screwed you have registered for this thing and you have no idea what you're going to do and how you're going to fix this and lo and behold, who is the last person who comes to the workshop, but Mr. Shan. And Shan comes, and I can't do the Shan voice very well, but it's, hello, I am Shan, and I come, and I've done Mr. Mumbai, and I am the greatest poser. I am the India's version of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I can make my stomach invert within itself. And I'm watching him, and he's like the greatest poser I've ever seen. This guy's born for fitness modeling and he is just incredible out there very cocky he knows he's sexy he's got the moves that drives the girls wild he is a sexy boy 
He's not your boy toy. So he is the original Shawn Michaels out there. And I'm like, wow. Oh my Lord. So we're finished up at the workshop. I'm almost in tears now. I want to vomit. And I'm like, uh, hello, I am Jonathan. And you are, and you're like, hello, I'm Shan. I said, okay, Shan, I'm going to level with you, buddy. I don't know you, but I am effing screwed. We are a month and a half from this thing. And I have no idea what I am doing. What area of the city do you happen to live in? And he goes, I live near Square One, Ontario in Mississauga. I said, as luck would have it, my head office is in, by, by Square One. Are you free for the next month and a half at any point? I actually took the time off from school and work. I'm going to be re- getting ready for the competition. Okay. Can you please train my ass i need help posing help me help myself i don't want to look like an idiot out there please do you remember your response shan i do i do remember very well because that's the same conditions that i've ever taught any student by one is you don't question what i tell you to do number two you do it as many times as i tell you to do it Number three, there's no limits on the session. So if it's needed like twice a week, we do twice. If it's six times a week, we did six times. And then funny enough, we had to do it like five, six times a week. And no questions asked, just head on. And we won't get to the next stage till we master the current one. That's the way of... I don't know. I'm listening to this and I'm saying to myself, this dude has been watching way too much Karate Kid uh i feel like daniel's son and he's uh, mr mumagi <laughs> here and he wasn't joking like he's like i need you to buy this outfit this is the store you go to i need the music you are to go get mirrors and you are to set up the boardroom exactly the way in my specifications and you do everything i say are you prepared to meet these conditions shan i was effing screwed i have no other options you're the best at what you do i could tell right away so i said yes Whatever you need, buddy, I'm in. Let's do it. And what was your first... You haven't even trained me yet. What was your first impression of me? Did I look like a deer in the headlights? You did not, actually. I think one of the first things when I start teaching someone... like I've always thought of myself as being a great student, like being very well to adapt to situations. But it runs to coaching. I think I only take very selected people and I think there are certain personality traits that have stayed consistent over the past few years, whoever I have trained. In any way, is, is it if it's in uh, training, if it's in nutrition, supplementation, posing, any aspect for that matter. One of them is having the quality of being coachable. And I think that's the first thing I noticed about you. You were ready to put in the work as simple as that it does not get any simpler than that hey i have a 12-hour schedule hey so do i sure would you still want to do this yes i want to and i could see basically it might sound cliche but how bad do you want it and i could see it you wanted it real bad because uh, some background context a background context for the viewers because there was so much stuff going on at that point in jonathan's life i wouldn't even get to the details but there's ups and downs in everyone's life and uh, you know, sometimes when life punches you in the face, you take the hit on your face and you look right back into life's eye. That was Jonathan, because I knew it personally on a very personal level, wherein I could see him get up in the morning, 
I was doing the same fasted cardio. Jonathan was up doing his conditioning sessions. He had my, his meals prepped up that we spoke about in detail. Uh, you had your meetings lined up because you didn't because uh, you didn't have the privilege or like you know the time to take the time off those pre-scheduled meetings, and that's how somebody runs a professional organization. Uh, posing session with me, training in the evening, going back and driving back and forth between cities because you lived quite a distance from uh, your main head office, which was in Mississauga. So those things all added up. And I, for the first time, competitor, it can get overwhelming. There's no two doubts about it. Like there's no two opinions about it. It always gets overwhelming. It's supposed to get overwhelming. That's why nobody does it. That's why it's bodybuilding. I mean, if it was easy, you would see hordes of people on the stage but it takes such a consistent amount of effort. Like, hey, you, you dieted for 20 weeks. You might not even be on the top 20 on the stage. That would I, break her. I got to tell you, Shan, at that point in my life, I went to go get the proper testing for the uh, body fat percentage. Right. Because I had to know. And from what I recall, I was somewhere like about 7.6, give or take. Mm-hmm. which is utter insanity. Like as far as body fat percentage goes wise, like I'm not 22 years old here. Like right. I'm in my early forties and I uh, did not do this my whole life. Like I, I, I did, I did gym and everything when I was like 14 and on, which wasn't, I know necessarily that was the best idea at that age, but I was doing it, but like everybody else, I give it up at certain points, went back, give it up. Anyways, I made that lifelong commitment at a certain point in my life that I said, I'm going to change or die. I have to do this. There's no choice. This is not about necessarily vanity, but it's about, I need to be alive. And to do this, I have to make the lifestyle commitment. But I will tell you when I did go that night before and I signed up because everybody, when, when you're going to do the uh, competition, you come the night before, remember we have to go line up. We have to go put down our names, get our t-shirt, all the smalls, all the schmediums are long gone. Everybody's a small in that, no matter if they're six foot five, they all wear smalls. Anyways, I remember they put down one of the questions was, why are you competing in UFE 2019 Halloween Mayhem? And I wrote down in big vanity and I gave it to them and they started laughing. And I said, don't anybody tell me you're all here now for lifestyle. When you come to this competition, it's purely vanity. You want to win the medals and you want to gloat. And you want to enjoy these bad boys. And that's all there is to it. It's all about vanity. So at that point, it truly is about vanity. But you know what? You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that for yourself. I can tell you, Shan, I was in that boxing ring for over two years. I took Mm -hmm. so many injuries. I I, I tore one side once, one side twice. I tore my groin, tore my calf. I've taken head shots. I took kidney shots. I've had the life drilled out of me. I've had a guy that looks like he just got out of the pen with face tattoos and he's, and he weighs twice as much as me. And he's coming at me for two minutes straight. Those two minutes feel like two hours in the ring. It is the scariest thing of your life. And I made that commitment that I wanted to box so badly. And I told everybody I was going to box. And when I made the, the, the invert to go to fitness competitions, I told myself right or wrong. I have told the world, I have put it out there. I'm going to be like buff Bagwell. I'm going to be buff the stuff and the girls won't the get, girls enough. get enough. <laughs> just cannot get enough. And so I'm going to be on that stage. Come hell or high water. My word means something. 
I'm not giving up. This is hard. This is challenging me. I suck. And that means I have to just work that much harder. So I am not letting this go. As long as there's breath in my body, I'm getting up on that stage. You watch me. But man, from what I pictured as a teacher, everything you said from the second you showed up at the boardroom, I'm like, hey, Shan, how's it going? The time for nice is over. The music starts. The lesson has begun. And you showed me my first move. And you're like, shh, shh. And you're like, again, again, turn again. Again, and literally you made me do the same movement for an hour straight. I must have done it like 300 times. It did not stop. And we did that, I think, at the end for the whole two hours. Then you gave me homework. Plus, you wanted me to take videos and take pictures of myself that night as I was posing and send it to you. So you see the timestamps. There was no messing around. Like, the boardroom had to be perfect for the time you showed up. Uh, the chairs are put. I want the mirrors this way. I want you yeah. dressed as you would be in the competition. I need you to be in the, in the uh, com competition mind. And buddy, I've never had a teacher that hard on me. Their points, I don't know if you saw it. I wanted to ball my eyes out. I wanted to tell you to go yeah. F yourself. I wanted to yeah. punch you. And, but I stopped and I said, there's reasoning in his madness. And the and the music that was going on always before we started, that was one more thing that you forgot to mention. There was always something in the aura of the room we stepped in, because this was something. This is something that I take very personally and very seriously. It's like either I don't do it. That's the reason. I think the last person I coached before you was in Singapore in 2017 for uh, the Mr. Asia Pacific competition in 2017. And I think I got fourth place there, but I uh, went there like thinking that, you know, this 21 year old kid from India who just won Mr. India, who was a finalist in Mr. India, first time, first time provincials and state, first time nationals, first time internationals. I have this opportunity and I, here I am being asked to coach someone in Singapore, the first international country I've ever been to, but I never deny somebody who's eager to learn. I think that's one of the things that put me on the better side of being a teacher is that if I see somebody who really wants it and takes it as seriously as me, like, hey, this person is not fooling around, whatever your goal is, you put it out there and you make sure that you envision yourself. Like the column you said, why do you want to compete? I think mine was very simple just two words why would you want to compete to win and it's funny that you say that because right now uh right between covid i was 250 pounds and i weighed myself yesterday i was 187 so there's roughly 63 pounds down now and uh, we have this east coast uh, provincial championships happening in newfoundland and then we rise on to the nationals and for the pro cards and stuff like that so i am right now in contest prep and uh, the same schedule is still on 10 hours at work uh, hour and a half fasted cardio in the morning hour and a half weight training in the evening immediately after work and there's exactly a 12 hour difference between two sessions so that they don't intervene into two of each other's functions and i'm still dieting still in a calorie deficit all the supplementation is maintained everything is firing through and i think the same thing was done by you you still have your meetings. You get up in the morning, 
early before the sun rises. I mean, this was more depicted well, better in movies and stuff like that, but this is exactly how we live every single day. Like this podcast was started at that point. Uh, get your stuff done. If you ever get a chance, Jonathan, in the future, show them your uh, Google calendar schedule. You wouldn't want to, you want to blur out the details, but you want to show them how many slots you have there. And people would go nuts. You think like having four or five meetings is a big deal. I think you set the benchmark too low. Well, I'm going to tell you that like in my typical schedule right now, which is funny, typical, you know, people know me uh, through different mediums of life. A lot of people know me as the host of the Chosen Life podcast. You know, right. at one point there was no, there was no podcast. There was no nothing. Right. And it was just running a law firm. And then from there, I was producing one podcast, my partner's podcast, David and David on real estate. And they're awesome. So I really enjoyed it. I've always wanted to do it. And, but I wanted to go a different route because I always preach lifestyle and living the best life and being the best you possible. That's what I do for myself. I'm a student of life. I always go on the philosophy that the smart person thinks they know nothing and the not smart person thinks they know everything. So the more I learn, the more I realize I'm always going to be a student of life, but I also teach as well. So I wanted to share my experiences, bring the best possible life. And that's why it's a chosen life. And I told him, we're going to do a podcast. It's going to be about nothing but law, nothing about COVID. It's going to be just about lifestyle. So, you know, when an episode comes together, you need to get the guest booked up. You need to prepare the episode. Then you have to record it. Then you have to summarize it. There's a lot of producing background work, even though I have a team together for it. And I have that. I have two docu-series that I work on. The one with Steve Carsey, The Baseball Journey. It's called The, Cho the Chosen Journey. Yeah. And the Mark Bagwell, a real wrestling docu-series. We have that one going as well. So doing all this stuff in the background, plus I'm writing a book. So uh, my, oh. days, my days are pretty, pretty filled. And you know what, Shan? As much as it is, you know, plus being a father, yes. I, I still have all the time in the world. You know, the yeah. calendar is completely booked up. I'm up at 5.30 in the morning. I'm prepping my food. I'm working out with, with Jared, my trainer. I'm going through everything in life. And you know what? I still have all the personal time in the world to date. I have time to be with, uh, with my son and be a father. Like, you know, so when I tell people, hold on a minute here. So you are single. You have no kids. You have a nine to five job. You don't go to the gym. How do you not have time to do something? What? Yeah. Yeah. All you have is time. So. The most precious commodity, in my opinion, that we have is time. Time is the most limited what you have. Yeah. And you need to savor every moment of it, maximize every second of it, live your proper life, live your chosen life, live what you want to do. But I think the scariest thing, like when I look back at my life, the first 30 years or so, I slept, walked through them. I just went through the motions. I was like a sheep like everybody else, you know, quote unquote. And I wasn't the wolf. And then at one point I had my awakening and I said, what am I doing here? I'm not living the life I want to live. I'm living the life for other people. And I'm just going through this. I'm just sleepwalking. That's not why I was given life. I want to live. I want to do. And, you know, the um, without going much into it, when I had an infirmary, like my uh, my foot went on me and I was barely walking for months. When I finally healed and I had a tumor in there, I got the tumor out, I healed, mm -hmm. took me months. That's when I said one Saturday I was driving and I said, you know what? 
I've been given a second chance. I'm going to the boxing gym that everybody told me about, and I will be a boxer come hell or high water. And that's what I went to do. And that's what I devoted two years of my life to. And that's where I found UFE. I found you. I was so lucky. And uh, we all find our way. With you, I was, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit, but if you could let people know, like I honestly, you are the Indian version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like if, no. if you go to Mumbai <laughs> and you're looking for Arnold, it is Shan. He's very, very humble, but, you know, competing in Mr. India, competing in Mr. Mumbai, Mr. Asia Pacific, Shan, you are every, like I had Arnold pictures all over my wall when I was 13, 14. And I said to myself, I want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, like I uh, wanted to be Mr. T. Now I want to be Arnold. But these were the things when I met you and I saw the way you posed, I saw those poses before, Shan. I know that those yeah. are not always originals. Arnold had a heavy influence on you. Buddy, that's what you were destined to do. Did you always know that you were destined for the life that you live? I did not know three years back that I would be in Newfoundland, actually. So no, actually. But I always figured out that I would be doing some sort of bodybuilding. Because I was very much built for it. I think I, I would uh, just share one of the smaller Please. stories back in the day. I think I was 15. I was in the gym. First day at the gym. And the first exercise I chose to do was seated calf raises. So I, usually I saw people with 245 pound plates on in there. And I think I just loaded it, up, loaded it up with four of them that filled up the machine. And I was like, let's see what happens. Two things could have happened. One, I tear my calf. Two, you just wrap it out. And I think I wrapped it out pretty easily for 12, 15 reps. First exercise, never knew, never seen it, how it happens. Just have seen someone a couple of minutes back doing it. I was like, you know, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Now, mind you, I was a bad kid. But uh, my first coach back then, who works for as a fire officer right now in the New, New Bombay State, uh, he spotted me. He says, look, I'm going to coach you. You got to follow what I say. I'm going to give you the nutrition and my coaching. There's no money involved. There's no money involved. I don't want anything from you, but make sure that if you find the right student in the future, you got to spread this art. That's how he viewed it. And I was more into powerlifting back then. So I think I love lift, put some pretty good lifts, I would say, for my weight. Uh, I think 500 for three squats. 500 for one deadlift, 400 for three, 405 for three benches. But I realized like this is not the sport that I want to do in the future, but I always enjoyed lifting. So, and he told me like, you know, you could wrap out these weights pretty easily. So why would you not try bodybuilding? And at this point I've been training like fast forward to six years. I've been training for six years now. So hour and a half to two hours of training every day for six days a week that roughly adds to around 4,000 hours of training. That doesn't go anywhere, it stays with you. Like even at this point, like even if we, somebody didn't train for a year because of COVID, let's just say, but you've been training nine, 10 years previously, that stays with you, right? Yeah. So it stayed with me and uh, got onto the, onto the show and I was 20 and a half something, but I'm pretty sure I do remember selecting the forms in Mr. Bombay and Mr. Mumbai and Mr. Delhi are the most uh, prestigious shows and competitive shows because one's the financial capital and one is the capital of India. So I was like, you know what? 
let's just do the open category. Let's not cap myself with being a junior because juniors are usually 22 and under. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the senior show. Let's see what happens. And obviously I did not compete in the juniors category and uh, ended up winning, ended up bringing a bronze home. But I think that bronze medal got me more recognition. I think I was on um, some provincial news channels and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, this does not happen to everyone. So I might have done something correct. And uh, I think that got me more buzz than just uh, if I would have won juniors gold for that matter. And like, oh, this 20 year old guy just popped up out of nowhere against these veterans who've been training for like decades and he wins. So I think there's a very big genetic component to it. So I did that gotten in relation to India, but I got, I, I, I had, uh, I, I got flu basically. So I was having like 101 fever and it's just stayed with me. And I had two options. Doctor said like, Hey, stop it. And I was like, I'm not going to stop. You tell me how to get work around this stuff. And most of them denied I had to change a couple of physicians, but we worked around through it. And I was like, you know, if I don't go to the stage, it's automatically an L. It is. It's, it is a loss for me mentally. And that would be, quote unquote, my first loss, which I did not even get to compete in. So I'm going to do it. So traveled all the way. I had my parents accompany me. Uh, usually brown parents, they usually like to see you do some professional stuff like architecture, law, <laughs> engineers. Doctor. <laughs> yes. Doctors, doctors for that matter. And here I was uh, bodybuilding. But they figured out that, you know, this is something unique. This is like a gift from God. And genetics are something not that you can choose and pick from. It's either you have it or you don't have it. Like the same thing we're talking about hosen, right? The shoulder to waist ratio. How are your muscle insertions? How quickly you lose fat, gain muscle? How your body metabolizes food? Nutrition partitioning. Uh, we eat the same amount of rice and chicken, and it's going to look different on different people. That is something that worked very well for me. So I was like, you know, this is the sport I want to do. And again, there's, I mean, I'm not denying like the several thousand hours of training that goes behind it. But I think when you love something, like the, like we've always connected on this point specifically, like we love doing something, we put our heart and soul into it. The process becomes easier. I got to tell you, buddy, we grew up under same parents. Like I, I have a lot of brown, <laughs> sorry, I guess you call it, so I can say brown friends. I've had, I have a lot of brown friends. They talk about how strict their brown parents. I said, do you think that Jewish parents are much different? I remember I was once working at a law firm. It was midnight. I called up my mom because I know she's a night owl. And I said, hey, mom, how are you doing? She goes, good, good. She goes, what are you up to? I said, I'm in the office. She goes, oh, okay. Like, no matter of fact, I said, yeah. I'm just looking out the window right now. And she goes, why are you doing that? I'm wondering if somewhere out there, there's a Jewish mother that I'm making happy. You happy now? And it, we always laugh about it because one time in university, I, uh, first year calculus, I got 98%. Okay. And that was not an easy feat. And I worked my butt off that summer to do that. And when I got it, my mom looks at me, she goes, what happened to the other 2%? And oh my God. She was serious. She goes, why? You couldn't get a hundred? I said to her, aren't you proud of me? Aren't you think this is great? She goes, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to get perfect. Why am I going to be proud of you? Am I proud for you to wake up in the morning? Am I proud for you to breathe? Am I proud that you're walking? No, these are givens. You just have to do that. So no, there's nothing to be proud of. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. And she was serious. And that's how it is, you know? I'm going to add, add another 
similar story to this and it's it's a more updated version of the exact same one and you would die laughing i basically was studying and working as you know but that was it's not like none of them are part time so i've been working like full time and and and, and studying full time too but thanks uh, or you want to say fortunately or unfortunately because of covid everything is online so i've been able to adopt most of these into my schedule so one of the courses that i was doing after my as a post baccalaureate was human psychology because i will come back to that later why i was studying for this at uh, george brown and i ended up concluding with a 4.0 dean's list president's list this is just recently and uh, i think i scored a 95 of human psychology because it's a lot of theoretical stuff and you have to write papers and everything and i think i was top in the class and it was a plus and it, they write down the gpa in 4.0s and grades and and i showed it to my mom and i was like look that's the final grade that's 95 like that's fine but where did you lose the five marks and that's exactly coming back to the point you said it's i was like i'm highest in the class i was like that doesn't matter what how other people are doing where did you lose those five points and i said i don't know she says then find out and matter of fact i did reach out to my professor i said professor excuse me this is not a very common question usually you have students who are just failing by a mark or two here and there come to you i wanted to know where did i lose my five marks and she just lost it she says it's just the way it was marked and it's just a subjective thing wherein uh, such a subjective uh, uh, subject course wherein uh, some people would grade it differently you could have got a 92 or a 98 it's just me marking it but i do not have any feedback for you it's perfect the way it is but that's exactly coming back to the point like you said like our parents the way we were raised i think it was too different like hey seven you set your own benchmarks and go after them this was a different generation and that's where folks i want you to understand something in the next generations next generations i love you next generations but you don't have that drive always because of the standards you set if you strive for perfection you're going close to perfection if you strive for an 80 you'll get a 70 if you strive for 70 you'll get a 60 that's why you strive always for the highest you don't strive for mediocrity and by the way if my brother's watching this ever i forgot I got a 99%. Sorry, it was 1% off. And why I remember that is because when I was growing up, my brother always told me about this 98% and how proud he was that he came to Canada and got 98%. And after I got my 99, I never heard about the 98. So, hey. So <laughs> good. Um, I got to tell you Shan, you know, finishing off our story on UFE, one of the greatest parts of it, you know, Yeah, I like looking at the medals and you know, giving myself a Barry Horowitz pat on the back, but it's the journey you get there and it's the experience of what you and I went through as brothers in arms. It was the best from the time. I remember asking you how you get in there, where you're staying and you said I have nothing, I haven't set up anything. I said, "Buddy, you're staying with me. I got an Airbnb. We're going to Hamilton. I rented the lower level of a mansion in the uh Stony Creek area. We yeah. had We got this whole pad to ourselves. It was unbelievable and we you know we we jump in there that night and the camaraderie and going to sign up the night before and then the shan meal plan. Here's what we're eating the night before, here's what we're eating the morning of and you had us on a very strict meal plan regimen when we're posing, when we're sleeping and then even when we're there You know, we're going to do some weights a little bit like you had it all down for us and I loved every minute of it. It getting to experience that part with you. 
And I think the most fun part was the change room, walking in, seeing all the other guys, the camaraderie. I thought everybody would be against one another, just one guy that was a jerk that everybody hated. But otherwise, we were all set up. I remember we walked in, remember? And I'm like, hey, sausage party, what's going on, guys? And everybody just started laughing. And we were just literally joking the whole time. And I think yeah. that was the most fun part of the experience is the experience and being able to do it with others that are in the same boat as you. Absolutely. And uh, I think you remember one of the things that you said uh, was when I went onto the backstage to change and present myself on the stage, it just felt like you belong there. That's a very big thing. You remember that? You belong there. It's, it's not that somebody who's trying to fit in, who's trying to do something that is never done before. And I mean, it wouldn't uh, apply for me because we had different experiences, the length of experiences, I would say, uh, when it comes to training and nutrition. But, you know, somebody who's on his desk for vast majority of your daytime is trying to get that thing done. It's, it's very admirable. And I think it's a big inspiration. I think I remember reading one of the uh, honor books, Education of a Bodybuilder. I think this is way back, 20, 2008 or something. I think I was gifted by some relative. And uh, it, one of the paragraphs in there, it's a big book, uh, highly recommend. One of the big, one of the paragraphs read was, uh, uh, people always told me, this is, this is Arnold, people always told me how difficult it is to accommodate a 45-minute workout. But I always see accountants, lawyers, doctors getting in their workout at the YMCA in California and showering, hitting the showers and getting back to their schedule. So I think if it's important to you, you would find a way, actually. And you most definitely found a way not to do it like once a day, but I think thrice a day because cardio was one. Uh, tra weight training was one and people who have never competed I'll tell you posing takes as much energy if not more than training it would make your life miserable to the truest sense especially if you have not heard, uh, like hard poses and held them for like 30 seconds feel like hell it's like being in a chokehold like hey I, I can't wait to get out of it buddy I gotta tell you after the first session we had I was so sore I couldn't move my arms the next day I couldn't feel my calves. People don't understand, you know, we're going around and we're doing the whole flex, by the way, that looking good there, but it's not about just that flex. There's an art as far as keeping your heels down, keeping your calves, pressing the foundation, like everything. If it's baseball, golf, gym, it's all in the legs. It's not in the arms. You're foundationing yourself down, the breathing and the breathing down. Shh, shh. Because you have so much air you're accumulating and it takes away. So you actually have to, have to release that air and then you have to hold it. You have to find your positioning. Like for me, it was being able to have this part showing off my lats. That you, you found my strength right away. And you said, this is what we're going to exenuate. This is why we're going to do it. We're going to show off to everybody. There's so much to it, man, that like people don't get. And I, I didn't want to tell you that second day session we had. I never told you this, by the way. I couldn't feel my arms that session. I could barely lift my hands and my arms over my head. I didn't tell you. And I just faked it the whole time because I was in so much pain, but I never let on because I wanted to cancel so badly and take a rest day. And I said, I'm screwed. There's not enough. I need, I need more days now. What am I going to lose days? We're going right now. So yeah, I know what you mean about that survival instinct. And that's where it, and everything you do, you know, Jim, is a metaphor for life. 
the way you put the time in for your body is the time you're choosing to put into your career. I talk about the mindset and how people ignore their mind and their soul and their brain. But to go and do physically what Shannon and I have done, and Shannon, by the way, is at levels above. Like I am like the ant and he and he is like the elephant, you know, like the, the levels of what this man has accomplished, like I'm not worthy, but you have to have a very strong mind. And you actually, you know, you put all this time into the gym with your body. What have you done to put into your soul and into your mind and your mindset? I, I call it the Jubu mindset for myself as a Jewish Buddhist, but the mindset of, am I a winner? Can I do it? I will do it. I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. I know I have, I can tell you, Shad, I go a million times to the gym. I have all these pressures, people sending me these horrible messages, you know, pressuring me, stressing me because they have pressure and they have stress and they're putting it on to me. It's going to be what it's going to be. Am I going to choose to focus right now what I'm doing and block everything else out? Or am I going to let the weight of the world crush me down and I'm going to do one rep, go back on my phone, do another rep, half-ass it and no when i go to the gym i give it the respect it deserves it gets my whole concentration when i spend time with a girlfriend and if i'm with my girlfriend if i had a girlfriend she gets 100 of my focus when i go to work and i have my clients they're paying money to hire me for my abilities they're getting 100 of my focus if everything you do you need to be able to block it all out and put it all in everybody thinks it's around you know the delicious body in my mind, it's about this up here and what you're doing to be mentally strong. What do you feel about that? You have to be there here before you reach it in the body. Because dieting down to these low body fat percentages is not natural. It's never going to happen by mistake. Like you would never see, never ever hear a person like, oh, I was, uh, I'm not sure what the politically correct word is here, but hey, I was um, obese. And hey, I got shredded. Uh, what happened? It never happens that way. There's this consistent, deliberate effort. And looping back to the first point you added, that was we knew the strong points. But I'm going to speak about a weak point, actually, that we worked upon so that uh, the viewers can know about like, you know, hey, it's very easy to exemplify and portray your stronger points, which was the core. It looked beautiful. But what about the back that was stuck unilaterally? It wouldn't open up. So when Jonathan wanted to do a sort of a motion wherein he had his leg stretched out and he wanted to hit sort of a latch spread, a rear latch spread, the one latch wouldn't open up because it was stuck with so much scarring, so much injuries, training, it was tight. Now, obviously, we were making sure the background stuff was okay, like making sure there was physiotherapy in place if it was needed. There was chiropractors. Um, there's therapy, there's masseuse involved, but you know, some things do take a hit and you have to work with it. And that's 50%. And there's again, saying in a bodybuilding world that shows are one from the back. It's like when you show them your back. And if I remember correctly, that was the first thing you showed when you put your rope down on the stage, right? The first thing that people would see is not your face, not your quads, but your back and how tapered it is, how open it is. I think, I've used the word again and again, like I think several thousand times. And kudos to you that you made sure that you always did that. 
because I think that was one very important for me. I, re- I remember walking like 20, 25 minutes each way to your office from my house and take, walking back again. Because I, I, in my mind, I was thinking like, hey, I'm getting the steps in because I need to be shredded as well. And I was doing my nutrition and my training and my cardio and my posing. And here I wanted, because your victory was very important to me. It's as important as my own, because otherwise it's, it's not even about the money at that point. It's like you teach someone, you cannot equate that with money. It's, 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 not, it's not possible. The only acceptable thing was a top space. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I wouldn't, I wasn't even going to, you, you see me, uh, you see me with the classic physique shots. I wasn't even going to do men's physique, actually. And look at that. Oh, <laughs> oh God. I, now Let's that get, I look oh, at oh, it. Sorry, sorry, Ben. We're going to skip Ben over there for a moment. And yeah. buddy. Look, look at the obliques. Yeah. Beautiful. And you know, it's funny because people come to me all the time and they tell me, Hey, do you still work out? And the funny thing is I'm working out harder than I ever worked out, but I do it now for strength. I don't do it for that because one thing about the abs, you do have a certain amount of dieting and a certain amount of shredding that need to be involved. I'm more concerned about the strength, meeting my numbers in the gym and I'm feeling happier, bigger, like my shirts don't fit as well because it's too tight because the shoulders are big and it's a, it's a great feeling, you know, and, uh, you know, you're doing it for yourself. You're not trying to prove anything out there. But I can tell you, having gone out there, having you on the stage with me, man, getting to experience together, that was the trip, man. That was the journey. The end result was nice, but it's that journey that will always go through my mind. The one part I will always tell you that freaks me out, what I thought, because I'm competing at three different levels, I'm going to mm-hmm. get three kicks at the can. I'm going to compete once in this level, once in this level. That's what we thought. There were too many people there at the end, so they said, you're going on one time and then we're going to judge you across the three levels. Yeah. When I came back from my routine, I didn't remember any of it. I was so in the zone. Yes. I was so living in the moment, Shan. I was so programmed that I don't remember doing any of it. I didn't, I left. And it's like, I never showed up. It was like, I was mm-hmm. so programmed and I watched myself afterwards. I did the replay I don't remember doing any of that. I was just there. I was just living it. I wasn't thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I was just doing it because we programmed my, me for so long. And that's what freaked me out is like, you can be so in that zone. The only time I've ever been in that zone was when I wrote my LSAT. I came so focused to write the law school admission test. Killing and it, yeah. I was, I don't know if I ever told you, but like, I was so sick the night before. My nose was running. I had a head cold, a fever. And I didn't know if I can be able to write it. I came to that thing on so much Sudafed that I could barely see straight. And after I finished writing it, everything started gushing. I, I ran to bed. I stayed away from everybody when I was there. I don't remember writing it. And I said, oh my God, I'm probably gonna get a zero. I don't know what happened. And I got 97th percentile. I was in the top 3% of Ontario that year because I was so focused. It's like when you're a baseball player and you're a pitcher and you're p- pitching to the hitter, the best pitchers they've told me, you go, you zone out everybody, you hear nothing. You're just focusing on what you're supposed to do. That's the kind of laser focus when you're that much into what you're doing. That's how you succeed. And if you hear the outside distractions in your mind and you go in hearing different voices and you cannot put in the 100% into what you're doing, 
you're never going to get ahead. You either going to give it all or you give nothing. And that's one of the things where I can tell you folks, I respect Chan on the highest level. I think about this man all the time. This is the first time we're seeing each other literally in two and a half years at least, but it's like we saw each other yesterday. Today. He has the most impressive physique I've ever seen. He's able to do things with his body that I've never seen done before from a posing perspective. Like he is so light years ahead of all of us. But what I most respected was his mind. He was so mentally sound, so mentally strong. Nothing phases him. This is the impression he gives in life. And I said, this I, this I respect. I thought that I was mentally strong. I thought I work hard. I am nothing compared to this man. This man is teaching me. So I, I, yet I'm the teacher. I teach people all the time in life and I became the student again and I loved it and I embraced it. And I came to Shan saying like, I know nothing. Teach me to be you. What you really, you know, you may have taught me physically Shan, but most you taught me was mental strength. Thank you. I appreciate it. Those are very kind words. I think one of the things that I think straight away comes to mind was I wanted you to win. That's very important for me. I knew that the process that we go through is going to be gruesome. You're going to learn a lot of things. You're no newbie to training for any of that matter. You've been training for a long time. Let's be honest here. You've been training for a very long time. So you know what it is. It's just that it's a, a focused direction that we are changing it into. So we are tapping in, like we're going into uncharted territory for your mind. And you just need somebody to hold your hand at times to show you the right way but you have to walk it yourself, right? Now I'm gonna bring back a story. I think you have you've spoken about it on uh, the podcast previously, but uh, the story, you know what I'm gonna talk about. And uh, that's hitting the stage before hitting it in real life. And that's going to the celebration square stage. Freezing night. I think we've trained for like 20 sessions. I think there was a week wherein we did sessions every day of the week, hour and a half. and rain or sunshine i am going to show up i think that's one of the philosophies in life i am going to show up on time i'm going to be before time and i'm going to over deliver and i'm going to leave it rest to the universe and i aim for excellence i did not want jonathan to be that hey i'm good in top 10 i'm good in top eight no, i want you to win but now who competes on that stage on that day is a very variable thing you don't know who shows up and even your best at the end of the day might not be good enough. I'm, I'm saying this in the perspective of viewers because there have been times where I have stepped on the stage and you know, a whole different level of people show up and that's absolutely fine. You pick and learn from them. But at that point, my only motto was, why would you want to compete at this point to win? I want to win. I didn't came, come here to compete. I came here to win. This is my opportunity. This is my stage. This is my practice. This is my artwork. This is my hard work. This is my diet. And I'm going to show it to you. You have the privilege of seeing this, right? Uh, we, did, we did this. We've Now, fast forward all these sessions. We have dieted down. We've got the nutrition in order. We've got the training. The only thing we have to do is peak. So basically what peak week is, I'm just going to briefly explain this to the audiences, wherein you are so deprived of sugar, carbs, water, and sodium in the body is that the body looks somewhat flat. So the chest is supposed to be round and muscular and in a certain shape. It looks flat because there's no glycogen in the muscle. And glycogen is what gives the body the pop to it. And every gram of uh, glycogen that we store in the body 
also I think absorbs like three and a half to four grams of water. That's why the muscles look nice and round and full and healthy, even though that's one of the weakest stages of a bodybuilder's life, wherein you're so physically weak at that point that you wouldn't, but you look brilliant. That's the point. That's bodybuilding in, in a nutshell. So we made sure that we had a plan and target, even though Jonathan had like three trainers, I wanted to make sure that, you know, first time doing it, there are more, there's more probability of it going wrong than it going right. I wanted to make sure that everything sticks on point. So remember the rice cakes we bought, those jam. It could, could I have another one? I said, no, you cannot. You just got to have this much, this specified amount that's weighed, measured. And even before that, before we hit the stage, because we did, we went to the same mindset that, you know, we're going to get to post twice or thrice. And I was, I was going to do classic physique, but I was like, you know what, let's jump into men's physique as well, just to show you basically how it is to follow along. And I think that helps. Seeing helps a lot than just verbal teachings, like seeing someone demonstrate it for that matter. So I do recall we as going, it was a very chilly night and we went to square one and you were like, oh, are we going to pose here? I said, yes, let's treat it the exact same stage. It was a Sunday night. It's freezing out. We're taking off the jackets. We're in the shorts and we're going right to it. And we're going to do the whole routine because it was, that's where you thought it'd be good that we see what it's like to do it on a stage and what it would feel like. You try to recreate the conditions of what, the competition is going to look like you left nothing to chance. I mean, you already took over my nutrition that week. This is what you're eating every day. This is what you're eating two days before one day before you said, it's a good thing. I'm coming with you the night before and we're staying together. I can watch what you're eating. I'm going to watch your sleep. I'm going to make sure you left nothing to chance. You were a life coach in every possible sense of it, but I love that experience. I remember that experience of being outdoors on that stage. And I felt so ready for it. I've never felt more ready in my life. And I got to tell you, I pictured myself on that stage. And then I pictured what it'd be like, you know, winning. And Chan, confession wise, I have never won anything in my life, man. I just, I, I have my gifts in life and I have my strengths and my weaknesses. But athletically wise, I always had to work for it. Nothing came easy. Never won a thing in my life. When I walked into the room at the first time when we showed up uh, for the uh, competition. Within like five minutes, a guy walked up to me and said to me, hey, you're the uh, flexing lawyer guy on uh, Instagram, right? Yeah. I was yeah. like, I knew I was in the right place. And when we were on stage together, after, the, after we had done the actual judging, then we went on for the show for the public. And we're standing there afterwards after the public show and thinking, you know, what's going to happen here? I can tell you, man, when you hear your name called, eh, there's nothing beats that. That is like, you're on yeah. cloud number nine. It's the best feeling, the best validation. And then they call you back again. And there's two medals hanging off you, buddy. That was the bomb. Like, uh, I would not trade that experience for anything in the world. I keep these medals in my kitchen, in a cabinet. I see them every morning when I have my breakfast. And that inspires me to keep doing great things. Now, I want to add something that I learned in that moment, actually, from you. It's like subconsciously, we pick up so many things, good and bad. But the, the, the best thing is, I always had this habit. I'll, I'll backtrack to 2017. Mr. Asia, fourth place. I wanted to, like, that's like 40, 40 countries in Asia. And I think winning in Asia is so highly competitive. Because 
there's just so many sheer number of people competing there. So I think winning is a big deal. So I, uh, I always develop this mindset that if you're not first, you've lost. You're not first, you've lost. You've lost, you've lost, yeah. There's no second place as such. So I took off my medal, Singapore, uh, Mr. Asia Pacific. And my mother has this jewelry box in India when she keeps all her gold. And I was like, you know, it's not a gold medal, but it's fourth place. And she had tears coming down her eyes. And I think she, she was apparently very proud. Um, Send it to her. The competition finished, I think, around 9.30 in the evening. 3.30 in the morning, I'm still on the treadmill again. And I think uh, somebody told me, I think recently when I was uh, working out for, because uh, I was working out as a master trainer as well at LA Fitness, if you, if you remember. I think that was my one of, I was one of that was one of my first jobs, and I, I was there from LA Fitness. My I, I've never discussed this. Um, I used to start at seven thirty in the morning, and I used to close the gym at seven forty-five in the evening. So that's twelve hours right there. I used to take an hour to eat my lunch, and all I was having was I think, I think two and a half pounds of egg whites, a couple of scoops of protein, green veggies chicken and turkey breast, sriracha sauce, and mustard. That's it. Now, it was nasty. It wasn't tasty by any measure of the mind, but it had everything to help me lose fat and gain muscle. And I think I don't care about how it feels. It's about what it's going to get me to. So we did that. Uh, but, you know, when we won at UFE, I think I had three or four medals. I don't even I think I had three. I won all those medals. I took them off. And the, my mindset was, I'm going to go start training. But you know what? I learned in that moment. Let's not remove these medals. Let's keep them on. Let them clang and bang. And let's season the moment while we have it. Because that's going to make me more appreciative of competitions in the future. And thank God I did that. Uh, everything shut down. The world shut down after that. Right, I was supposed to uh, compete. Uh, I think in uh, a Toronto qualifier show because the, the next goal yeah. was to the, the worlds, and I think the world shut down immediately <laughs> after that. I got the pro card and everything, but uh, I never got the opportunity. So you know what is in my control was enjoying that moment, which is what I learned from you. Would you want to speak a little about appreciating? I would say the. The, the rewards of your hard work because that was something I always struggled with and I never had it but I think I picked that from you and I think it's I've applied it to a lot of extents in life actually if you want to add a few words to that I, I would love to you know the, the first thing I would tell people is um, the to experience the highs you also have to experience the lows in life that's how it works and I talked to other people I kept in touch with people after the show and made some friends from there and lifelong friends which is cool I'm gonna give a, a shout out to Anthony juice and uh, and Ben Ben Neil shout out. Uh, shout out to them you know they were great they were also you know a student teacher combo and yeah. you know Anthony was 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 my Shan and you know Ben was me and they were and but they were we were all helping each other it was so cool to have that camaraderie part and keeping friends and that's what I think about competing is you meet people in your similar mindsets. They are experiencing the exact same thing you are. You see it. You're not alone in this. You're not on your own island. So sharing that with other people, hearing their experiences is, is huge. And that helps in, in the journey rather than trying to do it isolated. <clears throat> but there's something called the post-competition blues. Mm -hmm. And you come from this high of the high. 
So you have like five trainers going, let's say you win medals, you've done everything you said you're going to do. You've been on stage, you competed. And then all of a sudden it all disappears. Everybody's all of a sudden gone. There's no more stage. There's no more practicing every day. You're back to being on the gym, doing your thing, but you're no longer working towards that next competition if you don't have it scheduled. And I felt that crash. That crash mm-hmm. was hard. That crash was scary. I can tell mm-hmm. you that uh, I ended up at shawarma joints in different places and I needed to fuel myself. I was so hungry all the time. And, uh, but I was also mentally drained and it's, you have one of two things at that point. It's like people who go through boot camp because they got to lose weight, right? You finish the boot camp, either you're doing a crash diet or a crash competition, or you're adopting a lifestyle. And I, after experiencing the high of the high, it feels like you'll nowhere to go, but down. No, no, no. You can keep it going steady right along that level. You don't have to go down here. You can stay here. But it's that mental part to say, okay, I'm going to keep doing it without having to do it for a competition. I'm just doing it for myself. I'm going to adopt this as a lifestyle. That is the hardest thing to say, this is going to be part of my daily part. And I could tell you, Shan, that it became like, for me, the only way it's going to work is systems. I, I had somebody who helped me make project maps out of this for my life. And I literally started to make a list from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. What is the whole life routine? When are you going to shower? When are you going to cook? When are you going to eat? When are you going to work? When are you going to play? When are you going to do this? And everything is set up and you become like a robot. But having those systems makes the dedication and the dedication means it's going to happen because there's a game plan. Everything is like a doctor's appointment. Going to the gym is a doctor's appointment. Cooking is a doctor's appointment. Eating is a doctor's appointment. I'm going to have my five, six meals today. It's going to be at nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, two o'clock, five o'clock, eight o'clock, whatever, every three hours for me, let's say. And I'm going to follow this schedule. And the schedule just becomes routine. And eventually you don't look at the paper anymore. It just gets ingrained in you. And it becomes this relief. You just know it's a, that's the way it's going to be. And I don't have to think about it. I got a routine. I got this. I think the scariest thing is when you, you have the uncertainty, you don't know. And for me, I can't handle it. I can't wake up in the morning and say, maybe I'll go to the gym today. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll go later. Maybe I'll cook later. Maybe I'll eat later. What's going to happen is, and I've been there, Shan, I stop working out. I stop eating properly. I go all day without eating. All of a sudden, I'm getting more weight than ever. I'm eating as little as I've ever eaten, and I'm getting more weight than ever. I have no energy. I'm irritable. I'm not productive. I'm not myself. I'm like this whole other person, this shadow of me. And I've seen pictures of the shadow of me. I have no interest in being him anymore. So whenever I feel that relapse is coming or I'm getting lazy and I'm not fitting who I am, I look at that picture of that shadow of me and I'm like, I don't know who you are, buddy, but I ain't you and I'm never going back to you. And that's part of why I wear the shirt. Yeah. Because Absolutely. I'm going to wear that guy. I'm going to be that guy all the time. I'm going to look like that all the time because I'm not going to be the shadow of me wearing him. I only earn the privilege of wearing the shirt by putting in the work. If I don't like, you know, it, it's kind of funny, but like, even like I have, let's say a watch I want to wear. I sometimes don't wear it because I didn't earn the privilege of wearing that watch. You want to wear that watch that watch is for winner that watch is for closers. You do what you're supposed to do. 
you get your things done, then you get the reward. That's a privilege. It's not a right. So maybe I'm very hard on myself that way, but that's the only way that greatness is going to happen. Otherwise, I'm just going to wallow and I refuse that. I absolutely agree. And I think people get a lot of things confused with stress and pressure. Uh, I think one, our, our, one of our Canadian Olympians has a very popular saying, Chris Bumstead, is that pressure is a privilege, comes from him. Stress is not a privilege. Stress is you doing something that you don't like doing. But both things are hard. Pressure is also hard. But I think it's leading, leading you to the better good in life. And I think pressure is a privilege because if you're able to bear that pressure, you're going to become something you have never been in the past, but you always desire to be. You're going to lead towards your future perfect self or future excellence, actually. That's something that you would be proud of, something you've gained. And like, it's not going to happen like you was given the example of cutting down weight. Like you're not going to wake up one morning, but hey, if you look back, like, hey, I've dieted for thousands of hours. I've had... Uh, 200 meals set up for one month in order. I have these protein shakes set up. I even, so let's talk about, since we're talking about preparation, um, get up at 5.30 in the morning. Uh, it, at some point it becomes so like so routine wise, like it's ingrained in you, you're disciplined to do it. You don't even have to look at the map actually because it happens so naturally. Before the night, I uh, know what work clothes I'm gonna wear, right? So, so that there's no such thing as decision fatigue. Like I'm, I wake up in the morning and I don't decide like, hey, what color shirt, what tie, what breast pants, what sh color shoes do I wear? I mean, it's everything is decided. Go to sleep at 9.30 in the evening by latest. Get up at 4.30 to 5. I give myself a little buffer space because things happen. Get up first thing in the morning, take my supplementation, uh, take my glutamine, get ready, take my amino acids, hop on the uh, assault bike that I just like, I've, I've always had an assault bike since I've been in Canada, just so that I give myself the purpose that, hey, I don't have, so I, I basically, this was eliminating an excuse. Hey, what's your excuse for not doing cardio? Oh, I don't want to walk to the gym two times a day. And mind you, I'm, I'm, I'm walking, I'm still walking. Um, funny enough, uh, I bought an air bike. So one and a half hours on the air bike, destroyed myself. By 7 p.m., I shower, get my meals in order, cook. Meal is prepped on Sunday, so the protein part is ready. Get ready to work, walk to work, do like at least a 10 and a half hour shift, get out of the office. And once the office is done, it's done. It's not staying in my mind. I think that time is gone. Now you got to pay respect to the gym because it is a privilege. We have no idea how many, because I was a medical assistant for several years. I've seen people crave like i wish i could train i wish i could sit down and get a basically squat hey i wish i could lift this bag of groceries that we call like the, the dumbbells we call that's basically that hey i wish i could move this desk which is basically a form of a pressing moment and here we are we have this opportunity why aren't we not seizing it go to the gym kill it by the time it's six seven seven thirty come back home finish my last meal so the first meal is at five five thirty Second meal is at nine. Third meal is at one. Fourth meal is at five before gym. Fifth meal is after workout. And that was a bedtime meal. It's still the same. Come back home, shower again, pray, play with my kitty cats, go to sleep. And it's, 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 you work like a soldier, basically, at that point. You go into a boot camp with the mindset that this is to improvise myself. 
I think one of the philosophies I heard by uh, one of our psychologists was, um, what's how how to set up a schedule? I think the schedule is like you do this, 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 and then the day's over. Now that's that's a horrible way to live. Tell me how would the best practical day look for you? And if I do that, what is it that's going to make me do that for myself? It's like you do this for someone you actually care about. And in this person, we usually talk about our significant others, our parents, siblings, the external world. The person that we're talking about is my own self, is your own self. You have to do this for yourself as if you really love that person. You really love that guy. That guy within you, you really love him. You care for him. You want him to be the best mentally and physically. So what are you going to do about it? And write it down on a piece of paper. Okay, that's been figured out. Now go ahead and do it. And obviously we are not perfect by any means of measure. So maybe we would only hit at about 80%, let's just say. Or if I'm being optimistic, let's just say 60%. That 60% is still being better than zero. And clinging back to the point you said, maybe I would eat, maybe I would train, maybe I would go to the gym, maybe I would work, maybe I would have these meetings. Now these maybes have a probability of hitting zero as well. And that's a big no-no for me because uh, maybe I would carb up before competitions. No, this is your rice cake, this is your jam, this is your peanut butter, and this is all you're gonna eat. That's a hundred percent probability of success because eating that and making that preparation is for me and when I go on that stage oh the stuff the, the the lights are too bright oh it's too hot it's too cold oh none of that matters we've practiced in a zone wherein it was much brutally harder where people would be sitting in their blankets cozy at their home in front of their fireplace we are on that chilly stage single degree temperatures with the shorts on where people are covered up in layers and we're going to do that at that point. So when we go to the actual stage, it's going to be nothing. Oh, it's like, oh, I've been to a harder stage in my past. This is nothing. And even if you get zoned out for that matter, where your mind is zoned out, your muscle memory is so ingrained into it. It's like you don't have to think about driving a motorcycle or a car. It's like you just start and go with it. So flex your arm, pose, turn to the back, lat spread, turn to the quarter, quarter turn to your left, Sit down, flex, spread, smile, exhale, wave to the audience, and that's done. And that's exactly what you did. Yeah, and you ingrained it in me. I still hear that voice all the time. I uh, I love how you had the expression because I actually was going to bring that up. And you, ha- we all have our expressions that stick with yes. us. On your Instagram, you have pressure is a privilege. The best is yet to come. Yes. My expression was at the yoga studio. I used to see it as I went to the shower. It said, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. It doesn't you. change you. It doesn't. And that's true. And I looked what? at it and everything, and I took that expression and everything in life. I'm saying to myself, if this is not challenging me, it's not going to change me. So when you see a challenge, that's not a roadblock. That's an opportunity for change. It's an opportunity for growth. You've been given a privilege now. You get to go outside of your comfort zone and you're going to get to expand and be a better you, a different you. This is pretty cool and I love it. And that's where I could tell you, buddy, you challenged me beyond as far as any teacher has ever challenged me in that sense. And you changed me, but changed me for the good. And, you know, 
living normal day-to-day life, not having to pose, not having to have those holds. Now all of a sudden walking is so much easier. Life is so much easier. It's like, I'm thinking the other day, even I did push-ups for the first time with no weight on me. So I, I, I was, I do my, uh, my CrossFit with Jared and part of the circuit was near the end. He put a 45 pounder on my back. I have to do the perfectly straight push-ups, and I'm doing like 12 of them, 15 of them. But once you've done a whole bunch of circuits for an hour, it's exhausting. Now I'm doing a new circuit on my day three. And all of a sudden, as part of it, I'm doing 10 push-ups in, in, as part of a cycle. So there's three different exercises and see how many of the cycles I can do in 10 minutes. But 10 push-ups with no weight on your back? Oh, it, I could go all day. This is fantastic. So it's funny how we, uh, we have these mental gymnastics with ourselves. And when you pass the limitations, life can be so easy. It's so fun. It's great. You know, like, and, and then you just carry it forward to everything else you do. Like, and everything you're doing professionally in life, you know, in education, where you're going career-wise, I dare to say you would not be anywhere close to it if you hadn't developed that mental toughness that you developed during weight training and competitions. I think I agree. And uh, there, I think this is a kind of a sport that you can apply to so many aspects in life. The mental toughness, uh, I, I do remember, uh, uh, I think this is how I explained it to myself back then. I don't look at it the same way, but uh, when I got fourth in Mr. Asia, uh, I, I was so disappointed and people were cheering down. But, you know, I was disappointed for a reason is that I set myself for excellence and being very rational and objective. When I saw the guy on the first, they won the gold. I knew he's better than me. I also have the humility to believe that. I can see it with my eyes because my eyes, I post people. So I I want to make sure that, you know, if somebody's better than me, they are better than me, but I lost. So I put my head down and I had a word with myself. Sat down, arms folded. I was like, okay, we have done this now. What's next? The next thing is cardio again. What do you mean what's next? It's only upwards from here. And uh, following up on the previous conversation about the post-competition uh, blues, yes. it's, 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 it's not for, it, there, it doesn't have an end stop. I think the end stop is only when they put me back into the ground. And this is the beauty I love about bodybuilding so much is that you can do it right until they put you in the grave, man. It's, it's such a beautiful sport. I'm so passionate about it. I preach it to every possible person. And there's somebody who can always, like you don't have to do a lot. Like when people get this wrong idea that, hey, I have to squat like five plates, six plates. No, man, you just sit down and get up. That's an exercise. Go up and down the stairs, jump a little rope, go for a little walk. That's all fitness. It all tie in together. And after a year or so, you would look at yourself and become unrecognizable. And I think that adds to that mental toughness of yours. And that applies to everything in life. It's like the, 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 the closing deal phenomena. Uh, I am going to complete this set with 10 reps. And I want to push to that 10 repetition. That 10 is not a barrier. That's a, that's a set mark that I've set for myself. I want to go exceed that. Similarly, when it comes to doing numbers in life, like you want to do a business deal, this is my projected income, my revenue for the year. I, that's, that's a good benchmark. Like that's a good uh, rule of thumb. Like we would be doing good, but that is not my limitation. 
that does not define me i define it and i think i did the same so I, the viewers i professionally i used to work for the bank of montreal right now i'm a banker here for uh, canadian imperial bank of commerce cibc known uh, in the city of st johns biggest center here and I started working recently again uh, after switching jobs due to moving provinces. But I think one segment that always stayed with me, and this came from bodybuilding, was to define your own numbers. If you want to hit your 100%, that's for everyone. That's what you've been told to. What if you want to hit 500%? If, if that's even possible, because I would say potential is just an expression of what's possible. And how would you find out what's possible until you put in your everything you've got. And we have all got everything different within this. That, 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 that fire within you, it's different. It cannot be defined by an external person. Now, obviously there are limitations. I'm not denying that, but how would you define what's possible unless and until you put in your everything and then get better? It's like from a mechanical perspective, if you give a motor a bigger load, it's gonna burn. But the human soul is not like that. It's gonna adapt to that load. The same we do with squats. Like, I don't even remember how many times like I've sat down with a bar and folded like a book, right? Could never get up with the bar on the back again. But I promise you I've gotten up every single time eventually. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, we both, you know, we found out that we have a common love of wrestling and wrestling theme yeah. songs. And I think that the one song I always hear and I think of you is Chris Jericho. Chris. Breaking, Break the <laughs> breaking down the walls because you know what chen that's what you are doing in your life man you're breaking down the walls you don't allow those limitations to exist and you're breaking those walls so i gotta ask you my friend in uh aside from you know professional career wise of where you're headed in education and in banking and in medical field uh from the fitness perspective and having competed before and keeping in the shape and the lifestyle you have, what are Shan Khan's uh, future fitness goals? Where, where are you seeing your life headed in that world? That's a good question because we were talking about it yesterday. And the first thing was I wanted to basically go on, become an Olympian. That's the first thing. I wanted to be an Olympian and I've given myself a span of five years for it. So I knew like it's, it's not a 12 week diet that's gonna get me there. So give myself five years to see if I can be an Olympian, be an Olympian and then step back. And I want to move more towards guiding the younger guys who come on in at the age of 17, 18 so that they don't waste their time spinning the wheels around and staying at the same place. So I wanna move more towards the judging aspect of it. That being said, I just turned 27 in March. So I still wanna, be at that point till I'm 32, 33, uh, become an Olympian, win a pro card, not in, exactly in that order, but, and win like a national show. I have two shows lined up for the end of the year. I would be in grad school. So it's, it's a lot of juggling and I don't have an option. It's like, how would you study full-time, train twice a day and work full-time? It's like, I've been doing that since the moment I've stepped into this country and that's the only option I have. So basically getting on the Olympia stage eventually and uh, moving towards being a judge is what I see myself doing in the future. So basically uh, I, would, I wouldn't see myself competing for the longer run. 
basically. I mean, I would always stay into fitness. That's the goal. Like I always want to hit, I would look good, maintain a low body fat percentage, very high muscle mass to the best of the times that my body allows me to. But other than that, I have this vision wherein I want to be the guiding force to the best of my teaching ability to the younger generation that comes up. And I think promote a sense of working out because you know this better than me, but there has been a stigma around the society that if you want to look better and feel better, you're fat phobic. And that's a stigma that I, I never agree with. Uh, it, it, it went on to the extent that, you know, I live in Newfoundland now and we have something called Newfoundland physical tax credit, wherein you get to reduce your taxes by 2000 if uh, you enroll yourself in a gym. That's how the obesity problem has increased. We've also implemented a sugar tax that goes live from next month. So there are some policy things that I want to get involved in the future and change it from the grassroots levels to see or improvise it for that matter, wherein you know, you're not working out to punish yourself. You're working out because you love yourself, because you want to be the best version. Best version. Like you're not trying to torture yourself. And this is not a punishment. It's not because you hate yourself for looking the way you are. It's because you have potential as a human being and you want to hit that potential. And there's nothing worse in life than wasted human potential because God has given you that. And you want to realize it's, it's all, I don't want to sound religious, but it's almost divine wherein you've been given a certain frame, a certain height. And I understand we on the Eastern coast in Atlantic Canada, we are a bit isolated for that matter, but hey, I have worked out in gyms that used to cost like $5 a month in India. And all we had was rusted plates, barbells and dumbbells. And, you know, Jonathan, we had those kind of dumbbells wherein we did not have sets of 45, 55, 65, 75, 90, 100. No, you had two handles. You had to punch in the plates and tie them with a bolt and tighten them so that the weights don't come loose when you're trying to press them. And say, if you have done 80, you add 10 more pounds on each side. So that becomes 100. So we have done that. So, you know, when I first started working out, I was like, oh, this is a heaven. You don't even have to touch free weights. So I think uh, we disregard as like how much privilege we have, like more of a first world problem. And we need to realize like how much we have here and just try to put in a little effort. And if you don't know what to do, it can be overwhelming. I think ask someone. That's very important. Ask for help. Like, hey, guy, hey, hey, I want a trainer. I want a nutritionist uh, and financial situations don't allow for that matter. But hey, more often than not, a person would be able to write you down a pro- program from scratch for you. And it wouldn't take more than 30 to 45 minutes. And that program is good for like a year. It's on you actually, if you want to follow it or not. I think I've written down several hundred programs for from people in so many countries and provinces and cities I've lived across. I don't even remember them. But I've done that, like, you know, I've planted a seed somewhere. And if that seed blossoms to be a big tree and it bears fruits, that's a win for me. That's a big win for me. You've summed it up perfectly, my friend, because one of the things I was going to say, and you, you know, it's funny, we read each other's minds. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly where we're segueing as far as where you're going. And I see you always teaching for sure. But then I was going to say, what happens to that person that comes to you that's a novice, says, Chan, you know, I see you, I see Jonathan's body. I'm not a natural like you guys. It doesn't just come to me. Where do I begin? What do I do? And I, and I tell them, you know, you think this happened overnight? You think I have natural things for this? I do not. It's all hard work and discipline. And, you know, and, and that's the one thing I'll sum up today is in anything you're doing in life, unless you're trained in it, 
You know, even if you are, we're not always the best for ourselves. We're good for other people and see the vision for other people. But you don't think LeBron James has a coach? You don't think Rafael Nadal has a coach? All these professional champions, they all have coaches. They create the vision for them. They push them harder than they would ever push themselves. They see things they don't see and make those minute corrections. And those, mi those millimeter changes in how you're doing things is the difference between success or failure. It's funny when I see people doing a, a certain workout at a gym and the trainer comes and says, keep your heels down, you know, push your chest. And they said, oh my God, I've been doing this wrong the whole time. I've been doing this for 10 years like this. One little change and you could see such a breakthrough on it. That's the most beautiful thing. So don't be so proud. No matter how smart you are, how experienced you are, even the Shans of this world have their coaches. They have their teachers. I, I was going to show this actually. Yeah. Uh, been here for like 11, 12 years now. And today is August the 3rd. So every Monday, first thing in the morning, like five o'clock, fasted, uh, no food, no water in the body, weigh myself. And this was, uh, I don't know if you can see this. Oh, there we go. Oh. Yeah. Pose, pose, and show my coach uh, that hey, dropped four pounds from last week. This week I was one eighty seven. Now we've been through a downward spiral through cutting down fat from two fifty to one eighty seven. Finally met my weight, but and I it seems that over the last three years since COVID hit, like 2020, 2021, 2022, uh, I think I've put on over like five to six pounds of muscle. Now, people might think like, oh, five, six pounds, that's nothing. That's, that's a lot of muscle. If you imagine muscle mass evenly distributed over your body, that's a dramatic difference. You'd look like a new human being. And what my coach said, if you can see it, there is still fat. Oh, we can read it. He, yeah, let's read it. He, he said, there is still fat. Glute should get shredded. Doesn't bullshit with me. Doesn't care if I've been training for a decade. There is fat. All the beautiful things aside, if I do good, he's not going to say anything. He's just going to give me a thumbs up. If, yeah. if I look like a little juggly, jiggly, hey, you are fat. And I, it was in my mind the entire day, day before yesterday. And yesterday, I was talking to my girlfriend about it. Like, hey, I am not going to eat a single gram of sugar until and until I get to the point where my coach wants me to be. So you don't have to be proud like Jonathan said. Find a coach that you can trust. Somebody who's passionate about it as much as you are. If you're not, if you're a beginner, just find out somebody who's good at what he does at producing results, because that's what matters at the end of the day. Keep your head down, keep learning. There's never gonna be a point in your life wherein you would say that, oh, I know too much. There's, I can promise you that. Uh, my first coach told me, even if you study your whole life about nutrition, you would not even pass like three or four percent, not even of your whole life. So here we are trying to master different mechanics like tweeting that's biomechanics of a human body how would you want to position your weight to the relative angle wherein you can get a maximum contraction of the muscle basically that's basically in layman language would be how well are you working the muscle what's the quality of the exercise and you need somebody to show you that i need a coach jonathan needs a coach lebron james needs a coach everybody needs a coach even coaches had coaches and coaches want to Something, somebody who's not going to sugarcoat it with you. And don't just because your coach don't expect them to sugarcoat and be nice to you. They're not there to be nice. They're there to make you progress. That's the whole goal.
and you were talking about money and finances, which I, I respect completely and everybody's in a different cycle. But I tell people this much, LeBron James spends over a million dollars a year just on his body between yeah. all his coaches, all his routines, his, uh, you know, hyper chambers and recovery and what he eats and his chefs. He puts over a million dollars into his body every year to do what he does and function at the level he does at his age. And I tell them there's always money to be had. The question is, what are you spending it on? Maybe you don't go out to that restaurant that week. Maybe you don't go to the mall and buy another shirt. You just prioritize. You find a way. You don't have to have a coach seven days a week. Get a coach one day a week, one day every two weeks, whatever it is. Let them build that routine for you. Just like you're saying, you find your medium and what the coaching that fits. I could tell you that when I started eating right, I went to a dietitian. Some stuff is covered under your uh, insurance or yes. covered under general uh, um, provincial plans or state plans if you're in the States. So sometimes you find a way to have it covered and they teach you how to eat. They make the routines for you. Get the help, you know, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to say, well, I'm not an Olympian and I'm not competing. So it's worthless. I'm not going to do it. Every little change you make in life is better than the not change you made yesterday. You know, and they always say that that old Chinese proverb, life is a cup. Every little change, you put one little pebble into the cup. By the end of the year, the cup is full. So don't focus on the cup having to be full tomorrow. Just do the one little pebble. And it's amazing. The little change every week, every two weeks, every month, you just put a little something differently into yourself physically and mentally. It builds a foundation. The strong foundation will carry you through life. And before you know it, you'll say, wow, I, I'm a whole different person. I am feeling differently. I look differently, but it took me time and that's okay. And don't be afraid. People hit walls. They get discouraged. I've been at this for six months and I don't look any differently. I tell them one day you just wake up and all of a sudden you have a flat stomach. That's how it goes. When you stop looking in the mirror every day, you stop focusing on it, do your work, keep taking pictures, see what your progression is like. Little changes. You don't have to be perfect. You can have a little bit on the sides, whatever. Feel happy with your body. You don't have to look like a certain person. Be comfortable and happy in who you are. And the better you look physically and you make yourself physically, the better you feel mentally. You'll strive in every area of life. Just work at it. The key is the work, not the results. The results will come. Don't worry about the results. Enjoy the journey. Don't dread the journey. Keep wandering the desert, keep that journey. And as long as there's breath in your body, like Shan said, until you're down in the ground, keep at it and it'll come with you. Shan, my friend, it's, I feel so inspired. After, you know, it was, we started off 4.30 in the morning. A one, ep, a one hour episode became over an hour and a half. And buddy, I feel like right now going to run a marathon. I feel like running through a wall. You've given me so much prana energy. This is where when you get two testosterone filled guys and they have so much energy. They share that energy and they're both alive. So thank you for giving me that energy life force. Thank you for sharing your story, our story. And by telling your story, Shan, and you know, your journey, you've, I think you've helped shed a light to people that see me week after week, understanding my path. Because if you don't understand, you know, the chosen lawyer, Jonathan's path, it's Shan, you know, you meet one person, it changes the whole game. You changed the game for me. So thank you, my friend. 
You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, just want to say that to people that, you know, a lot of people bring in the argument that you do not have, it does not come naturally to you, don't have that natural ability. I think John Nathan is a living testament of what's humanly possible if you refuse to give up, put in the work, keep your head down and keep working. And you're going to outwork most of the people you're ever going to come across in your life, even if you don't have the natural app for it. It's just pure, plain hard work. It's not smart work. It's not some fancy gimmicks. It's not a pill. It's not a powder. It's nothing, something that will get you in overnight. It's not some fancy technique. It's just plain old-fashioned hard work. 4.30 in the morning, get up, get your meals in, work, 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 work like hell. Find someone to give you direction. Direction is more important than speed. Have people help you, ask for help, be open-minded, keep your head down and enjoy the journey, please. And the results would come. Thank you so, so much for having me on your show, sir. I love that. And, and to add to that, it's uh, you'll always find somebody younger than you, taller than you, more muscular than you, more experienced than you, more knowledgeable than you, whatever. It's not a competition in that sense. Just always remember they're never going to outwork you. They can't beat you in that. You work your hardest and they'll never compete with you that way because outwork, work, uh, harding, working hard will always be talent every day of the week. Never forget that. That holds in every generation. So keep working. Shan, as we're signing off, my friend, uh, again, thank you very much for having you on. And it's been a pleasure to, you know, reminisce and to get reacquainted and, Thank you for the journey and thank you for the mark you left on my life, the chosen life, the chosen lawyer. This would not have been possible if you not entered my world. So you've left your mark, my friend, and on my life. And you were a fantastic teacher. You made me really feel like a very valued student. And I continue to be that student in life. And I hope it inspires others to do great things in their world. And as we're signing, as we're signing off, you know, we always pull out the guns. Right? Look at those. Oh. And we say, keep living the chosen Great. life. Keep living the chosen life and the best is yet to come. Okay? Thank you, my brother. Enjoy. Take care. Cheers. Cheers.